then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. communication and data distribution. Regrettably, the readouts indicate that the most common use of their near-limitless data sharing is... Gracious! How terribly foul! I accept that I am not attracted to the human physique, but I cannot imagine that act being appealing to anybody. Mm, to each their own, I guess. After all, we have people on our planet who like the dirty geek step. Anyway, I imagine for the lot of them, it's a way to pass the time while they're quarantining. They seem to be in the middle of a global pandemic. Ah, well, this is entirely reasonable then. However, I am concerned. The country that claims to be the mightiest on their world, America, it seems to be incapable of maintaining the necessary protocols to allow the quelling of the virus. Look at the readouts. They've got a per capita rate of cases much higher than any of the other countries. Well, maybe they have some stupid citizens, but if they're really going to act like they're number one, they must have something going for them. Yes, of course, friends Orzon. Let us examine their social infrastructure. America must certainly meet the needs of all the denizens inhabiting it. Actually, it looks like they don't even have universal health care or food service, let alone housing for all. Also, they seem to be using a style of capitalism where, at their minimum wage, a person would need to work most of their conscious time to meet the basic standards of living. This planet is rather depressing. Are there any other cultures that seem to be providing decent living conditions? Mm, well, it looks a bit better in... Europe. They have some pretty good countries spread around there. Ones that have social programs that allow for comfortable living. Downside is... A lot of these places seem to be very freaking cold. Indubitably. Those temperatures would be untenable for me. Well, with their industrial corporate entities pumping petrochemicals into the atmosphere and ecosystem of the planet, those conditions should change. Oh, oh, oh wait. It looks like humans can't breathe CO2. This planet might be a goner. This visit was as unsatisfying as our previous ones, friend Zorzon. But I will maintain hope. I intend to return in a few years and reevaluate humanity's chances. For now, back home to our sensible civilization. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time you're listening to this, but not night. Anyway, I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. And uh, we are, as always, the Unsociablists. Yeah, and today we're going to be talking about uh, kind of... The different systems that have alienated humans from the product of their labor over the past millennia. 
Yeah, um, we're going to focus on, of course, modern capitalist neoliberalism because that's the current system currently tearing us away from our own um, ability to create a cohesive ideology that cares for all people. But we'll we'll discuss how it's been throughout all of history too. Yeah, you got to give a little bit of context to the uh, current situation that we're in the neoliberal uh, consensus. I guess we should start by addressing, speaking of which, uh, what is neoliberalism? What actually defines that uh, that construct? Yeah, so neoliberalism, as opposed to right the the neo being like a a renewed version of the old liberalism. So whenever we think of liberalism, we think of you know in historical circles, you think of seventeen seventy six. You think of the late mercantile era, the colonial expansion. And that is when liberal governments kind of started to take over from the old monarchical governments, these governments that were serving a different class now. They're serving a class of bourgeoisie rather than the class of aristocracy. Although you could say that those two things are pretty blurred. Indeed. And uh, of course, as uh, several empires rose in the US and the UK and uh, all over the rest of the world, places where uh, capitalism reigned, uh, new trade routes were opened, allowing the rich people in those countries to flourish off the poor in brand new and uh, remarkable ways. Part of neoliberalism as a, as a distinct break from old Keynesian style of economy, like neoliberalism, it, it kind of comes into its own after we have these huge uh global markets that can be exploited right so it's uh capital doesn't necessarily need to fight itself they still you know they're always going to be internecine fights within the capitalist class but neoliberalism makes it so that it's a lot easier for them to exploit the kind of the underclasses that they have uh created through colonialism through the last you know, three, four, five centuries. Yeah, indeed. And it's worth noting that uh, the term neoliberal in the modern era is getting thrown around in such a way that it, to the average person, it's no longer a really a meaningful word. It's uh, it's worth addressing the fact that if you really are ex- uh, expressing neoliberalism as the term was intended to be used, that that blanket term would include people like Donald Trump and not just the uh, Obamas and Bidens of the world. Right. It's not just enough to call Hillary Clinton a neoliberal. You need to consider the structures that are – I mean we don't live in a neoconservative state. We live in a neoliberal state, and that's not to say that you know there's a judgment as to whether one is better than the other. They are simply different kinds of uh, liberalism, right? Like Different ways to – take advantage of the poor class while benefiting the rich across the world. Right. So when we talk about uh, the versions of liberalism versus conservatism, like these are ideas that arose, you know, centuries ago where when we were, you know, breaking out of the monarchical, uh, you know, old timey aristocracy type stuff, and giving more and more power to the burghers and then the bourgeoisie, you know, the 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 capital owners, the non-noble capital owners. That would be the liberal side of it. And the conservatives of that time were, you know, people who uh, wanted to adhere to a traditional state of life, the kind of life that 
meant that you, you know, serfs were tied to the land, or if not serfs, then you were tied to your job and your son would do that job. And if you were lucky enough, you would be an aristocrat. You know, you, there were always times where there were exceptions, of course, like new money would come into aristocracy at some point or another. But the real break with these two terms is that the liberal side was a new form of it, it's the next mode of production. It's a part of the capitalist transition and conservatives at the time are working on a different plane, one that kind of wants to maintain a, uh, a traditional lifestyle. And there are always these pushes and pulls. That's what, uh, I mean, eventually you'll come to a dialectic where we, you know, have, uh, people like Trump who are nominate nominally, at least very conservative, but obviously are, chasing after the the profit motive of liberalism that it offers in the new uh, capitalist mode. Although by the time Trump, of course, gets in charge, it's, it's been around for a while, this capitalism thing. The difference between neoliberal and neoconservative is far more negligible than the difference between con conventional conservative and liberal. Yeah. I mean, today, what would you call a, a neoconservative? You would call it like Bush and Cheney, right? People who are uh, still neoliberal right in the original form you may not actually want to be a liberal uh you may not want to be looking for um you know the that you know you don't want to be citizen lafayette fighting for the united states and then going and back to france to try and write a, a document like the constitution right you don't want that you want to still keep the aristocracy you still want louis the 15th or 16th to stay up on the throne right this isn't what bush and cheney would have done right they're conservatives in that they have a traditional kind of uh worldview i guess one in which is cynically or otherwise uh tied to like religion and tied to kind of the american dream type of thing yeah creating these divides between good and evil in a very straight straight kind of a, kind of vague lines that they define in the moment it's so much a, a product of what the the current neoliberal structure is right the the people who come out of the you know 70s 80s and 90s who believe that we need to expand uh, the war on terror, who need to fight evil and bring democracy. These uh, are really only aesthetic differences from the differences of who we might call uh, neoliberal, who would say we need to open markets, we need to ensure free and fair elections, that kind of shit. Like There, there are no real um, material I can't say none, but there yeah, are but very few material differences between the conser the neoconservative outlook and what is ultimately done through liberals in our democracy, our you know, our version of democracy. At the end of the day, there's still a bunch of powerful rich people who want to ba bomb a bunch of poor people in foreign countries to steal their resources. They just kind of often it's just putting a different label on it. Earth, circa 70,000 B.C. This field trip is kind of stupid. 
I know it's a newly developing species, but we have those on Urko. I disagree, classmate Zorzon. These creatures have recently started using tools and forming primitive tribes. Our instructor said that, given the right conditions, they could attain interstellar travel in under 10,000 years. You're a weird kid, Oglob, but you're not wrong. Honestly, uh, they're kind of scrappy. It's that underdog effect. I want to root for them. I appreciate you altering your opinion based on my observations. You know, I bet by the time we're grown up, these things are going to be a pretty cool species. I just hope they have a name by then. They have already begun using primitive language, so I expect they will. I am more concerned that they will not be capable of coexisting with their bountiful planet. They do seem fairly violent. Well, if they've gotten to tools and tribes, I'm sure they'll have it figured out in no time. Anyway, you're pretty smart, Oglob. How about we be friends and plan to come back here and check this place out someday? I have never had a friend! I am ecstatic! It is the deal, friend Zorzon! Our friendship shall thrive, just as these creatures' society will in time. Consider the original mode of production, right? Mm -hmm. The very, very beginning. The hunter-gatherers, right? We... Or eat. I kill, mean, you kill, even yeah, just... eat what you kill. Uh, kill what you can. Those are your resources. Right. You fill your belly and then you sleep. It's a very, you, you know, the, you're you're immediately connected to your, uh, you know, the things that fulfill your life. Right. You're immediately connected to the produce of your work. Right. You immediately have those berries that you picked. You immediately have that meat that you killed. You immediately have the shelter that you have found, right? All these things are divorced from any kind of abstraction, right? Mm -hmm. And capitalism is one of those things that abstracts, right? Yeah. When we come out of the hunter-gatherer you know, society and private property is created um, and we go through the kind of ancient forms of production, right? The kind where I know that Marx uh, mentioned four, right? There's the that original, most primitive type um, in which you can obviously see people are incredibly tied to the, pro the, the produce of their hands. The, what follows that is the early private property, uh, which is entirely built upon uh, slavery, right? Yeah. Right? There's like this whole other abstraction because it's not just an abstraction for the slaves, right? Their berries that they pick are no longer theirs. The meat that they kill is no longer theirs. The shelter that they find is either given or taken away from them by their uh, owners, people who own them and abuse them. People owning people is uh, clearly a sustainable system. <laughs> right. Earth near the Roman Empire, circa 27 BC. Friend Zorzon, I am once again curious about how the humans on Earth are faring. Would you be agreeable to a brief visit in their orbit? I suppose so, Aglob. I'm sure they have developed a much more sophisticated society in the last couple millennia. Jubilation! I shall set the course! 
It seems the engine on my paternal unit Starbo is aging. That hyperwarp took far too long. Hey, you're just lucky your dad lets you borrow the ship. Anyway, it's pretty clear from up here that the humans don't have space travel tech yet. But they do seem to finally have society. Indeed! The beginnings of the modernized civilization. They are in possession of sewage systems, and they have rudimentary understanding of architecture. I also see they have a location for shared entertainment. They are all enjoying... Oh. Oh my, that is quite gruesome. They're literally watching fights to the death for fun? That's super messed up. I suddenly don't feel all that confident in the species' chances. Um, I am sure this leisure activity is a very small portion of the populace's choice. To the credit of humans, they have made far more available resources than the last time we were here. Yeah, they have more food and stuff, but I can't help but notice that almost all of what they've got is being given to a few rich assholes. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but are the ones actually doing most of the gathering being whipped? Tremendous misfortune, friend Zorthan. They have implemented slavery to provide a false sense of excess for those not burdened by impoverishment. And I can't help but notice that most of those slaves are darker-skinned humans. <laughs> uh, of course you are correct. It is most fortuitous that our species has transcended such racially charged brutalities. Dude, I know you have some racist-ass grandparents. Don't blue-wash this shit. I still feel nervous passing intergalactic law checkpoints anywhere under the 400-coordinate interstellar axis. My apologies, friend Zorzon. I am still learning, and I assure you that your purple hue is inconsequential to me. Anyway, humanity still has a long way to go. We should probably give them another couple thousand years, yes? Indeed! I am certain they'll be rid of slavery within mere decades! Of course, after that, we have the more modern take on capitalism, the idea that uh, we can have a slew of people working to uh, prop up enterprises, and then these enterprises take almost all of the fruits of those labor to give to a very, very small percentile of the population. Uh, in, a, in a sense, it's almost an offshoot of slavery. Yeah, one could see the same sort of exploitation that is happening, right? It's not quite as obvious and in or obvious overt and evil is maybe chattel slavery but exploitation um of a mass similar to how like you know post uh civil war where we had that you know the gilded age and all that crap where it was you know partly it's again predicated on you know how that whole time not only is there massive uh grift going on you know in the banking sector in a bunch of different areas where you see like the emergence of ultra wealthy capitalists taking advantage of a a a system that is changing um like because of the change in the economic structure of the south they could make you know big inroads and in, in buying up capital and taking away the the kinds of land that might have been promised to former slaves but also it's predicated on you know the exploitation of the west and where there were so many other places to colonize like liberalism and capitalism of course in, in general um the the ultimate goal will be to expand 
its reach to to get more markets to take more resources and to exploit them and that's we we used to do it through colonialism through conquest and now we're doing it through neocolonialism right now it's a new neo thing cuz we can't have regular liberalism we have to have neoliberalism we have to respond now to a a different kind of extraction at the end of the day uh at the end of the day creating the new system was just it's a new way to make sure that those in power stayed in power in a, mm-hmm. it, with, with a, a different set of rules. Right. Um, Not to say and, that, of course, there aren't things to be gained by that, but yeah. and of course, definitely this, oh, yeah, not I mean, always perfect. Yeah, naturally, getting rid of slavery is a good thing no matter how you slice it. But you've just now we have wage slavery, which is still like, hey, you can't eat if you don't put in your 40 hours in the field. And uh, not to say that I mean, I, I sound like I'm belittling the plight of the African American community, which is not right. all the case. There's we should still we should still additionally give them reparations in addition to fixing all this shit. But fixing all this right. shit is one of those steps. Right. There's nothing compared to chattel slavery in in current, you know, even even the idea of like um, you know chattel slavery compared to the prison labor uh, exploitation that we have, which of course we know is racialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the most abolitionist of folks would say that the the chattel slavery of the past was wor- you know un- unbelievably horrible and that therefore worse not to say that anything that right now is happening isn't unbelievably horrible to those who haven't experienced it and probably even more so to those who have Earth, circa 1940 Well, I think the humans have had plenty of time to recover from the last disaster of a visit. I'm sure they're not killing each other for sport anymore. What do you think, Oglob? Time for another trip? Absolutely, friend Zorzan. I am eager to see what humanity has accomplished. Well, they seem to have progressed their technology a bit. Though I am deeply saddened to observe that many of these developments are in the form of weaponry. Yeah, that is... That's not great. On the upside, there seem to be some great developments in travel and communication. Uh, Check this place out. America. It it seems to have reasonably contented citizens. At least the pale ones. Unfortunate. Well, I'm relieved to see that humans with additional pigment are no longer enslaved in first world countries, they do seem to still be receiving extremely unfair treatment. Still, their conditions appear to be better than those in... Russia? It seems that these are two opposite poles in a great clash of economic systems. These... Soviets... They seem to have dispersed power, however, under conditions of outside pressure, strongmen and patronage are worming their ways into what might have been an egalitarian system. It's really disappointing to see two systems so woefully inadequate to the needs of others. Especially where one's richest tenth of a percent of the population has ten percent of the wealth. What astounding wealth inequality! Uh, Well, I am certain that with the prosperity in America, they will attain a balanced social system in no time. The only reason I can see for the slowing of humanity's rise to a sustainable species would be massive warfare. According to this, they just had that happen less than thirty years ago, so... 
Surely they've learned their lesson. Oh, and look, their scientists are experimenting with radiation. Exemplary! Surely these experiments are the beginning of sustainable fusion-based energy, capable of maintaining technological expansion without the need to continue using fossilized fuels. They will certainly be done mining their planet to a husk within weeks. Well, they have some way to go to reach a perfect civilization, but they're getting closer. We should definitely check up on them soon. Anyway, this brings us uh, to talking about Kyle and I's actual political stances. We're both extremely leftist, so uh, it's fair to say he's a little further left than me, but I like to consider myself a socialist bordering on communist. Yeah, and I'm definitely just a communist. I don't fall... I don't like to kind of chase after tendencies. Like, I know a lot of folks online who are like, are you an ML? Are you a Maoist? Are you this, that, or whatever? Um, ultimately, I think that... Uh, just like, you know, Phil and I don't necessarily agree on everything, there is a reason for um, a diversity of tactics. And yeah, I'm a communist. Eventually, um, you know, I'm going to uh, – maybe I won't be alive. I probably won't be alive, but we will reach a utopia, and my version of that would be communist. Yeah, and my version of utopia, I think there's still room for uh, rewarding people who are doing more because I know in a utopian society where everyone was provided for right off the bat, no strings attached, I'd be content to rest on my laurels because I don't really have any ambitions. I do think that in that process, I shouldn't be getting the exact same amount of resources as someone who, say – saves lives and uh, or does something that actually really matters, you know, is part of the education system, something like that. But at the end of the day, no matter how you slice it, the only way we're going to reach a utopia is first and foremost making sure that every single person has access to housing, food, any resources they might need to live. You should be able to backpack. You spend your whole life just backpacking across the world and still be able to live comfortably and happily because we have the resources for that. Absolutely. Uh, this kind of brings us back to one of the podcasts that kind of inspired us is the podcast Seriously Wrong, which is a utopian podcast. Not every utopia is the same. They go through and they talk about the kinds of things that would build a utopia based on what they would call a universal basic outcome. I'm not sure if they created that term, but they, you know, they they definitely brought it to my attention. You know, a system that makes sure that there are no people who fall through the cracks, that you can backpack across the world because everywhere you go, you'll be at the very minimum provided housing and food and water, maybe a snack, maybe a, a luxury here, because all of those things, they call it a, a pyramid of needs, but you need more than just sustenance, right? As a human being, to live a healthy life, you need more than just the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And so we shouldn't begrudge people their little luxuries. And one thing that's seriously wrong, and for the record, that is spelled S-R-S-L-Y wrong, so you don't if – if you decide to Google it, you can find it. One thing no they did come up with – one thing they did come up with for sure is the concept of library socialism, and that is something that I think is an excellent uh, approach towards utopia. We'll do a little brief talk on it now, but I really strongly suggest that anyone who's already listening to us, if you're interested by this concept, check out episodes 189, 196, and 200 of Seriously Wrong, because it's an astoundingly brilliant idea. Start with those three, because they're fantastic. I love those episodes, because of like, it's such a new take for me to, to hear this, this version of Utopia. 
And I think it was cool to have it so well articulated by Sean and Aaron, uh, the guys on Seriously Wrong, The Wrong Boys. Listen to the whole podcast. They're all pretty much evergreen content and, uh, you know, hours worth of it. And they're just... It's such a good podcast. I love that place. Yeah, and even in their earlier episodes, they weren't saying any. They were saying stuff that was ahead of the time by enough that it's still not even cancel-worthy by today's standards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, library socialism, just short version, it's the idea that uh, the way libraries work to rent out books, we should just do that with all of our excess resources. Because there's no we like it's, you don't need to have a jet ski sitting in your garage all year round, just that so you can use it like once once a summer. But that just means we have to produce extra jet skis to have extra people to have them sit in their garage, and then they cost more and more money. And that's why so few people can have that specific luxury. When in reality, it would be just much easier to have much fewer jet skis in the world in a big old library, and you can go rent out a jet ski when you are in the mood for one. Think of a tent, right? You don't. Go camping every week. You don't need to have this tent, which you've paid, you know, a little less than you wanted to because you didn't have the money on you at the time. So it's not a great tent. You don't need to have that in your garage when you can just go down to the tent library and they have a very good tent because they know that you're, they're going to rent it out a bunch. You have fewer tents out there circulating because there's not so much of a need but there is a higher quality now in the ones that you have. Yeah, so it's it's just a win-win in terms of society. The only people, quote-unquote, losing are the exorbitantly wealthy who shouldn't have that kind of money in the first place. And that's only because they they wouldn't be able to always have the nicest, newest things and then laugh at the poor and look down on them because the <laughs> poor would also have access to nice new things because there wouldn't be the poor. Right. Part of the uh, basis for library socialism is that it's predicated on the idea that we live in a post-scarcity world. Read Mary Bookchin. And right now, what we, what we live in is a world where we create scarcity, right? We need to create these barriers from people having enough food. Because we have enough food right now in the world to you know feed over 10 billion people. We simply don't Give it to anybody. Yeah. I mean, the government literally pays farmers to burn corn because, heaven forbid, we have an excess of corn. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to sell corn at a reasonable price and we wouldn't make profits off of it. Just like you're burning corn, you're dumping milk. Yeah. In this time, especially, it seems so, the contradiction seems so heightened uh, because of COVID. You know, they can't have access to the markets that they would normally be exploiting. So rather than allow their supply to get greater and then their returns fall. Um, they would rather dump and uh, destroy products that could keep people alive, food that could uh, serve, you know, be pretty cheap for working families, people who are really struggling right now, but rather they would have a, uh, a market that is be more beneficial for their returns rather than providing a service or providing for the uh, sustenance of many millions of Americans who are struggling right now. It's good to be calling this into the fact that, like, there's three empty houses for each homeless person in America. There's no reason that needs to happen. It's just one more way for capitalism to uh, prop itself up. And uh, as the episode would suggest, it's just one more way for uh, our society to make sure the uh, citizens are alienated from the ability to actually partake in their own happiness and well-being. And ironically, belying the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. It's kind of a, a double fake, especially in 
uh, an economy and a democracy like what America has. I mean, democracy for a few people, I guess. They they definitely have this contradiction where everybody is supposedly guaranteed that while we say that you are allowed to pursue happiness, that you are entitled to life and liberty, at that same time, we ensure that you are attached to a job. You can't get your life's needs without having a wage. And even back then, like think about 1776, like life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, um, slavery, don't need to say much more than that. The contradictions of this society and of capital are blatant. Like we've talked a little bit before about how, you know, there are um, liberals who are very liberals in the the broader sense, not not just liberals as in like the American sense, but people who are so very much attached to their institutions, like they so believe in the Constitution, they so believe in the liberal framework that exists that they are willing to ignore the obvious alienation of those who are less fortunate, right? Like people who are uh, making a good living doing a blue uh, white collar job aren't recognizing that you know you and i are struggling sometimes right like people who are further down the totem pole people who have a minimum wage job or people who are unemployed this is some sort of moral failing and not a fact that we have been just further divorced from our uh, ability to live because of artificial scarcity of course, once we get to that last mode of production where the populace is actually gaining from the fruits of their own labors and we're able to all enjoy the excesses that this planet actually has to offer and it have, has available to us, that's when we can start getting to the nitty-gritty of exactly how the distribution lays out. And we kind of touched on this earlier, but you know, it's a whether it's socialism or communism, the key would be one of the keys is to provide for every human just because they're a human. Right. The differences between you and I and our uh, belief in like what the kind of minutia of utopia would be like are very small compared to like right now where what we need is of course people to be taken care of people to have the ability to not only see the product of their labor capable of taking part in society to the fullest extent that they wish and want to you never have to worry about shelter you never have to worry about food or water you never have to worry about being evicted because you haven't reached a quota or something. Yeah. This is not the system that ultimately either of us are going for. No matter how you slice it, both of us want every single human being regardless of limitations, regardless of characteristics. If you are born and exist, you have the right to all that is needed to live a comfortable and happy life. We we share these resources. We we ensure that there is a decent base of really high quality things because we have the ability, we have all of the resources. We've just been uh, enforcing scarcity on these resources because it's more profitable in a market. Yeah, and to be clear, um, the difference that Kyle and I are teetering between is kind of like the people who are like, oh, you know, the minimum wage is fine as is, and oh, $15 min hour minimum wage would fix everything. It, they're both still capitalist constructs that wouldn't really create any kind of utopia anything resembling a utopia so it's the same it's the, uh, it's the other side of that coin we both both of our ideas would be much closer to a utopia even if there's some sp specific uh, detail differences there is that 
idea that it's kind of a futile effort to make a plan. You're never going to have a roadmap for the utopia that you get. It's good to imagine it. It's good to have these ideas floating around. It's good to be prepared for when somebody is like, well, what do we do with all these yachts? And you're like, what about a yacht library? We are not entirely sure once we've seized the means of production, if that's the terminology you want to use, once you've changed towards a worker-controlled, proletariat-controlled society, one in which there's one class of people and we all share in the uh, product of our labor, there's no reason to believe that it's going to be exactly one way or another. That we have to be vigilant, of course, and make sure that everybody is taken care of, make sure there are no people who fall through the cracks. But it's going to be a play-by-ear type of thing. And having these ideas, believing in a utopia, is incredibly important because eventually, if we get to a point where these ideas can be implemented. It's good to have them. It's good to be ready for them. Mm-hmm. The most important thing to take away is when our society finally does get its shit together, when we finally have everything put together in a way that's uh, not just sensible, but downright humanitarian, it'll look so alien to what we currently have as modern society, it's really impossible to say exactly what's going to work best and what isn't. We can't set up specific ramifications now because there's no way to know what the future is going to look like by that point. All we can do is uh, look ahead, try to make the best of it, because the future will be alien to our present selves. Earth, the indefinite future. All right, Aglub. I'm getting too old for this shit. One last visit to Earth... And if the humans are still screwing it up, I'm done with them. Very well, friend Zorzan. I do believe I couldn't handle much more of their depressing nature, based on our previous expeditions anyway. I have covered my ocular units. Don't tell me if the planet is nothing but wreckage. Open your eyes, Aglob. They made it. They have a functioning society, with the needs of the whole species being met by their plentiful resources. It seems that each human is provided for according to their needs, and each contributes according to ability. All the artificial scarcity imposed by previous systems has been done away with. Jubilation! I am remarkably impressed by humanity making such magnificent strides in providing joy and comfort for all. Observe! They've even done away with warfare and frivolous profiteering. Community units work together to create artful and practical lives for their members. The humans pulled it off. There do seem to be the regular small, personal grievances, but even those seem to be better controlled and less important, seeing as there aren't deadly material issues attached to them. With how far their society has come, do you think we should go down and introduce them to the fact that we exist? They don't seem to be that far off from interstellar travel and scanning. (laughs) Surely you jest, friend Zorzan. After all the occurrences I have observed on that planet... There aren't enough Jack T in the Planerverse to get me to set our ship down. We shall allow some other species that, um, opportunity. Sounds good. Let's go home, old friend. So yeah, this was uh, this was this week's unsociableists. I say this week's like we do it. We're so consistent <laughs> this time. We're so consistent. So when we designed this podcast, we did intend to be less about sheer information and a little bit more about also entertainment. And we haven't been doing so good about that. I think we're entertaining. I mean, our bits are, but 
our banter is usually pretty calculated. It's a little dry sometimes. Anyways, we uh, we want to work on rectifying that. And as such, we will be having a, a bonus episode soon. It won't be anything that's actually about there won't be any educational value to it, probably. But we're just going to be uh, we're going to be riffing about some of our goofy predictions for the coming year and the travesty that could end up being. What horrible disasters are in store for us in 2021? A far off year. And uh, the real good news there is we are going to have a our first guest. So look forward to our uh, coming bonus episode featuring Adel Rafai. That should be a lot of fun. But for now, uh, thanks for listening to us and keep trying to topple the system and create either socialism or communism. Your pick. They're both better than what we got. Solidarity, everybody. Yeah, love and solidarity. It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk, so I am told.